to Hashtag Single with Jeanette Bonner. I am not a relationship expert or sex therapist. I'm just a regular New York City woman navigating the world as a single, independent feminist. Hashtag Single is about having honest conversations with other singles in today's device-obsessed culture. So I hope you'll join me on this interesting, challenging, and complex journey as we navigate the ins and outs of singledom. everyone. Welcome back to Hashtag Single and Happy Fall. I'm Jeanette Bonner, your host. Um, if you have been following along with the podcast recently, you know that we're doing a bit of a matchmaker series featuring matchmakers and dating coaches that work both in New York City and nationally to get your questions answered and to break down the mystery of what working with a dating coach or a matchmaker might look like for you. And this month, I'm so excited to welcome not one, but two fabulous women from matchmaking company 3-Day Rule, which is a tech-enabled, personalized matchmaking company company founded in 2013 in Los Angeles that provides services in six major cities across the country. Three Day Rule was named as one of the most successful companies in America by Inc. 5000 in 2019. Ladies, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. Thanks, Jeanette. Yes, thank you. We're thrilled to be here. Oh, my pleasure. Um, obviously, I want to introduce you to everyone. Um, I'd like to start off with some bios just so people can get to know you a bit more before we begin, if that's all right. And um, obviously, feel free to add anything I may have missed. Michal Neistetter is a sex educator and senior matchmaker for national matchmaking firm 3-Day Rule with a specialty focus around Philadelphia, where she provides guidance, coaching, and matchmaking services to her select roster of clients. She holds a graduate degree in human sexuality from Widener University, and her work has been profiled on Bustle, NPR, Elite Daily, and Philadelphia Inquirer. Michal is mother to a two-year-old and in 2019 started the blog Sex Positive Mama to give parents the tools and tactics of teaching the basics of agency consent body parts, and body autonomy to young ones. And then we also have Jamie Bernstein, who is a senior matchmaker with 3-Day Rule since 2015. She's been featured as an expert on Good Morning Washington, Good Day DC, uh, Match Webinars, NPR, Fab Fit Fun, The Washingtonian, ABC, Fox 5, and numerous other outlets. And she currently resides in Washington, DC with her husband and her son. Um, so anything you want to add, ladies, to that? No, Jamie, you're so famous. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right. No, I think you did. Thank you for the intro. Thank you. We're thrilled to be here. I mean, between the two of you, like, the, what a phenomenal profile. <laughs> you guys have, like, covered, like, all of the media in all of the world. Congratulations. Um, I'm sure, you know, especially during this pandemic, there's been so many questions from everybody. Um, but I think there's also just, like, a lot of, a lot of confusion, a lot of gray area just about online and dating in, in modern culture in general and people are always looking for like why isn't this working which is <laughs> I mean honestly that's why I started this podcast like why isn't this working um, but uh, to start off how did both of you guys get interested in matchmaking and on this specific career path yeah so 
for me, it was over three years ago, I was sitting on the couch drinking a glass of wine with my friend and she was like, all right, you're looking for a new job. Let's do this. And she went on a website that I had been on for like a few months um, called AngelList. And within two clicks of a button, this appeared. And I was like, you know what? I've been on this website for a very long time. And that did not magically appear. And she she was like, you need to do this. This is absolutely you. And I applied right away. The rest is history. But I'm kind of glad that somebody was by my side to match me with the job in that moment. But what were you, cause you have a background in what human sexuality. So what were you doing before? Yeah. So the best friend that I was talking about, um, she's, she's a sex therapist. She's always been interested in the ther- therapy side. And I'm always fascinated in education and how to help people learn and grow about their sexuality and relationships. Because it, you know, it dawned on me when I took a course um, in college that we don't learn about these things in a formal setting. It's usually through our peers, hopefully, we get something from our parents um and I was like people need people need to learn this stuff you need to learn about communication and how to be in a healthy relationship and all of these things and we you know we look at the world around us um from a very young age to figure out what is good and normal before this I have been an educator and I've done sexological research and I lived in Columbia for a long time I was teaching English there so in one way or another I was always working in sexuality or in education in some capacity capacity. And then I landed this and it felt like such a fit. It felt Mm, like kismet. mm. How about you, Jamie? (laughs) Yes. So my experience really getting into matchmaking was um, matchmaking got into me when I was young, high school, middle school. I was setting up friends and and family. um, And then in middle school. I know. Isn't that a little bananas? I know. I, you were that girl at the lunch table, weren't I you? I was. I was always talking about love and dating. And then I worked at a pizza place in high school. And I was 16. And I was setting up my 40-year-old manager with like uh-uh. a regular. And people were just letting me do it. Like, this girl, sure. Go ahead, girl. And so it was always just kind of part of who I who I was and who I am. And I've been in this space off and on professionally for about 15 years. And with a three-day rule for about five and a half years. So... I've, it's just been one of those things, a passion um, that's been able to transform into uh, you know, a career that's been really exciting to be part of. I feel like we all do that to an extent. I mean, like, especially we as women, like, I feel like we're always constantly wanting the best for our friends and people around us. And we're all, you know, if we meet a great potential partner, I think a part of us is always thinking, oh my God, I really want to set him up with my friend or you know, when our friends complain that they're having a hard time, it makes you go like, who can I introduce you to? I feel I catch myself doing that all the time. So I feel like it's almost innate in women, certain historically and culturally that we've always been trying to like lift each other up and like help a girl out to, you know, find what she's looking for. You'd be surprised how supportive men can be of each other also. Like, yeah. I have one of the biggest ways that we um, get clients at Three Day Rule is through word of mouth. So people have a good experience with us, or they met us somewhere in public, and then they recommend a friend to us. And I have, I have had quite a few number of male clients um, who were, you know, recommended by a friend of theirs. So I think guys also can look out for each other too because they want to see the other person happy. 
Yeah, absolutely. But sisterhood, helping your your girls out. You know, honestly, the more matchmakers there are, the better. The more friends there are looking out for each other. That was actually a question I was going to ask you guys just in terms of do you find that most of your clients are female or what was your female to male client ratio? So it varies quite a bit. Um, You know, it it depends on the city as well. Um, I would say it ends up being around half and half, maybe slightly more female. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it it really, it it ends up being about 50-50, I would say, generally speaking. And then we also have an LGBTQ matchmaker at Three Day Rule as well. Are you guys dealing with uh, any intersectionality? Do you deal with trans population at all? That matchmaker does, um, and she does coaching as well. But I, I normally work in the heteronormative yeah. world, you know, working with men and women. I love that that's, a, you know, part of the company. I feel like that's a blind spot or a gap that I've noticed in matchmaking companies. In you know, I'm not. In, in the space as much as you guys are, but I find that in general, because the majority of the population is heterosexual, um, most matchmaking companies are talking about heterosexual relationships and are specifically kind of geared to women, or at least the language is sort of about like a woman finding a mate. I hate that phrase, but you know know what I'm saying? Okay, so so the beauty of us is that Anyone can sign up to be in our free database, and then anyone who signs up who is LGBTQ would be connected with um, Kara, who's absolutely fabulous, and I'm in her fan club. Um, But that's the world we live in. We think that it's normal to be one or the other, and this Mm -hmm. is the model for a relationship, but... The reality of the world is that there's so many different types of people and genders and there's intersex individuals and Jeanette, everyone is deserving of love and a relationship if that's something that they want. Here, here. Absolutely. And we also, you know, help people discover themselves. And sometimes that is, you know, learning um, about their sexuality or their preferences through coaching. So Mm. one of the also one of the services that we offer is um, date coaching to really help people dive deep into who they are has there ever been and this if this is you know crossing a privacy or an ethical boundary you don't have to answer it but has there ever been someone that you know of that's come in and thought that they might be straight and turns out they're attracted to a person of the same gender uh yes I mean, without sharing Ooh. too much, that has happened. Yes, that's fascinating. So we're and we're here to support and help everybody on their own individual, you know, personal growth and uh, journeys in terms of love, dating, and, and figuring out you know their selves and their preferences. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit more about like the process of working with Three Day Rule. Like, let's say I'm like. I'm done. I've had it. I'm ready to work with you guys. Like, what's, what's, what's the next step for me? So somebody would reach out first, um, go ahead and create a free profile on our website, 3 dayrulecom And then you will be uh, connected with a matchmaker, typically, you know, within their uh, their city or their region. Um, and then we the next step, especially during COVID, we've, we've kind of pivoted to more of an online platform. So we used to be people for coffee. Now we're doing it, you know, over Zoom. Um, but we really get to know what our clients are looking for. So we spend about an hour getting to know, or what I call kind of 
the right mix of on and off paper qualities, meaning, you know, somebody does have to check boxes. What are you looking for in terms of age and religion and background? But also, what is your humor and your lifestyle and your hobbies? And, you know, that's just a gist. We really kind of dive in deep um, to get to know our clients to kind of begin the process of finding matches for them. And what if these are people that are paying for a membership yeah so yeah so yes if someone is what we call a client that is someone who is paying for a membership but we also do the you know the zoom meeting with somebody who would be a match for a client as well that's part of our process is that we are you know being able to verify that somebody is who they say they are um and that through video chat, we can verify they look like, you know, their pictures and be able to engage them in conversation and get to know more about them to make sure that there's a mutual fit. So we do uh, the meetings with both clients and, um, you know, people from our free database or matches, but the, the, the depth and the nature of the paid client um, is a much, you know, more kind of robust, well-rounded experience. Um, and we really get to know the preferences of our clients. Yeah, that makes sense. How, how big is the free pool? It's pretty large. I mean, nationally, it's probably now between 90 and 100,000. Whoa. People have signed up. Yeah, it's, it's pretty huge. Yeah. And Philly, you know, Philly has a you know, a lot of people as well and a lot of good people. But I, you know, like I ran my stats at least a while ago in March, you know, before COVID hit, I met with like my thousandth person in person where we had a one hour coffee date and we celebrated with champagne. So I I know that I know my city very, very well. And now because we've pivoted to using Zoom and phone calls and things like that, um, I go on tons of these first dates. So yesterday I went on six of them because I'm screening them for my clients um, and getting to know people and hearing the themes of what dating is like right now. (laughs) I mean, that's great. Like you want a pool of 100,000 people to be able to pick for your clients, but I'm sure it's also really hard to, (laughs) you know, like narrow the the, the, the window down a little bit, I guess. That's what's nice about not being like a Yenta in a shuttle using a binder or whatever they they did. Like we're, oh we have technology to ground us, thank goodness, so that we can stay on top of it and really organized. And also so that we can collaborate. So Jamie's in D.C. and we can put our brains together and figure out matches. Yes, collaboration is huge. And, and it's something I think that makes 3-Day Rule as a company unique and stand out that we're a very collaborative, supportive internal environment, which only then translates to help our clients. Yeah. I love that. I, and I, you know, it's funny because so while I was, um, stalking you guys on the internet to try to (laughs) like file, like, you know, just to put together your bios and stuff, um, Michal, I found, uh, an article that was in the Washington times about you, uh, that said you like will approach people in public locations, like rooftop bars and event after parties and basically ask them if they're single. Is that true? Oh my God. I long for those days. Um, I know, right? Me too, though. (laughs) Nine months pregnant. (laughs) And like, I would walk up to a group of guys and I would say like, are any of you guys single? Not asking for me. Relax. (laughs) But you know, you got to go, you got to go far for your clients. But yeah, Yeah. I I miss those. I miss those days. It's a lot of hustle. (laughs) It's a lot of work. It's a lot of hustle, but I'm naturally a people person. And ever since I was a little girl and, you know, now I have a daughter. And so I I sort of watch the same thing play out with her. Um, When I was a little girl, like I used to stop people in the street 
and like, I need to know you. And I would say like, hi, I like you. What's your name? (laughs) That's so cute. But I mean, I think there's truth to that because this is what I miss really about being in public and like being a single person. You pick up someone's energy. Um, Like you've got all those subconscious clues that your body is reading um, before you even consciously make a decision to have a conversation with them. So like you're getting information just intuitively that we, I mean, I could fill your, your profile in online if I want to join your pool, but you would get so much more bumping into me at a coffee shop and being like, okay, she definitely would vibe with XYZ client, you know? And then I think there was something interesting about doing matchmaking and being pregnant in this job. I don't know if you would agree, Jamie, because I felt like my child was like almost a part of those love stories because she was with me. And you you look at things through a different lens uh, as a pregnant person, as a woman, as a mother, um, when you're in this field, because it really is about connection and helping people find connection. And love. Like, I mean, I've never been pregnant, but um, I've been told stories from my pregnant friends that, like, this hormonal surge of affection just sort of takes over your brain. And all you want is just, like, to give and to spread love. And if you're matching people while you're in this, like, hormonal fugue state, then I think energetically, you know, however much you believe, like, universe, woo-woo, whatever... But that there's there's source to that. Like you're you're sharing that energy with people that you're trying to connect. Pregnant women are so powerful (laughs) and amazing. And Talia, the founder of our company, did, you know, her fundraising for three day rule while she was pregnant two times. (gasps) And clever girl. (laughs) I, I honestly think that that's why I mean, she's a trailblazer. I think that's extremely hard in the world of technology. And both Jamie and I are mothers. And there's something special about working in a team of women and and mothers that are all working towards that same thing. Um, but I know myself, I was seven months pregnant when when this one woman hired me, um, even though I was, you know, on my way, eventually going to be out. And she ended up marrying her first match. And now she has a baby due in October. And I can't wait because we've become <gasps> the best of friends. Um, and, and my daughter loves her, too. Oh, my God. What a story. That's gorgeous. Yeah, I did notice, like... And maybe I'm missing something, but it seemed like all of the matchmakers on Three Day Rule are women. Is that right? Yes, that is currently um, that's the trend currently. But we we would be definitely open to a male matchmaker if somebody applied and, and fit you know the the job requirements. Absolutely, um, you know by nature maybe it attracts more women, um, but it definitely could be a guy. A guy could have success being a matchmaker as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, do you find that is sort of the situation across the board in the industry? Are women more attracted to this role than men are? Yes, I would say so. Um, Michal, what do you, I mean, I, because I've, you know, worked with um, other matchmakers through networks and they've all been women. Um, Michal, what's your, been your experience? Yeah, I've, I've noticed the same, but I don't think it's exclusive to women. I think women um, tend to be more empathetic creatures and better listeners so I'm sure that has a lot to do with it and also like I said there's something about the fact that 
you know, like we in our friendships are always trying to like <laughs> match people around us. Like, like you said, Jamie, I, I, when I think back on it, I, I've been kind of trying to ship people together as the youngsters say, um, like, you know, throughout my life as well, going back to middle school, just hilarious. So, I mean, one of the reasons I brought you both on the podcast, I love this sort of natural transition since we're talking about the fact that you guys are both mothers and um, the energy that comes out of, you know, trying to get a new job or raise money while you're pregnant. Um, But one of the reasons I brought you both on the podcast at the same time was because of your specific specialties in speaking on the topic of parenting. Um, I'm not a parent myself, so I think this is maybe why this topic hasn't really been covered yet on hashtag single. Although, if you're listening and you are a single parent who is dating, please message me because I would love to have you um, on the podcast to talk to. But um, Michal, I know your expertise is in sex positivity and childhood education, which first of all, just brava. There should absolutely be more of that in the world, especially in raising boys. But um, Jamie, you work a lot with single moms who are dating maybe post-divorce. So maybe you could speak to what the number one concern is from women returning to dating after marriage and motherhood. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the the first things is where do I begin? That's the first question I get from my, you know, newly divorced or, you know, women who have been out of the, the dating game for a long time that have children. How do I make dating a priority? How do I, you know, balance with my kids? So the number one thing that I tip that I give to, to women who have children who are newly back in the dating game is to revisit who you are as an individual. Because so mm-hmm. often women lose themselves in the marriage, in the mothering, in the job, in the this, in the that, and they forget, hey, what's my favorite color? What do I like to do for fun? I haven't had a second to sit down in 10 years. And so I tell them if they don't even know where to start, think about what they enjoy doing when they were young. Baking, painting, jogging, you know, whatever it is, something very simple that you, that brings you a little bit of joy. And if you can't think of it now, what, and something about going back to when you were a child has helped people remember, oh my gosh, I used to love painting. Oh, I used to love petting dogs. Or, you know, I used to love, you know, reading, um, you know, silly books, whatever it is. And that's a baby step. So then start painting. Find a half an hour at night after your kids go to bed. I know you're exhausted. I know you have a hundred other things. You could do the dishes. You could do the laundry. But make a half an hour to get out the watercolors and paint. And start to slowly reconnect with yourself, your individuality. Because to really be able to move forward and have a new successful long-term relationship, somebody has to reconnect with themselves, number one, first. As a person, as an individual, separate from the mothering from the work, you know, and people forget that, that we're individual people and we need to re-reclaim um, that confidence and that individuality uh, that made us so great to begin with that maybe was lost for a short time. And so that's a great step one to do. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, it makes me sad from the other side of the fence to think about the potentiality of losing your core essence uh, to another person in a partnership or in motherhood full stop. Um, I I obviously can't process what that journey would be like. So that, that, that hurts me a little bit to hear that that gets lost in some people's marriages in the first place. So, I I mean, what a beautiful 
reminder just to be like, it's not really actually about the partner and the person finding. It's just about you and finding happiness for yourself in your life. Yes. And that's the first, that's step one, because people get so overwhelmed often, or often women, you know, that are divorced with kids. How do I even start to date? How are they going to, how is this person going to be a stepfather and getting, you know, a hundred steps ahead of where they need to be? Mm-hmm. And life is really about the little steps and the little moments that define us. And so kind of starting the journey of getting back out there into the dating world is very exciting. It also can be very overwhelming. So that's why it's helpful, I think, just to start to reconnect in a very small way. And then and then that grows, right, into doing more things and having more confidence and, you know, going out and getting a date outfit and, and, and kind of it, it grows and grows from there. Are people overwhelmed by, is there like a technology gap? Is that what also overwhelms people? Like the last time I was dating, there wasn't online dating, that kind of thing? Yes, um, I hear that, you know, a fair amount, but it, you know, even with that, the biggest issue that I see when people get back out there is just not even knowing who they are um, or, or they're looking for to find their happiness in a new partner. So as soon as somebody says to me, you know, the guy, once I find the guy, I'll be happy. I know they are not ready because you have to be happy with yourself first and be feel complete and feel like, you know, you're, a, you know, a boss babe ready to take on the world and then find somebody who complements that as in a partnership. And so, you know, the technology piece absolutely is something, but it's a very small piece of the learning curve to date again. Yeah, and honestly, it's not any less universal, like all the things you're saying is like, women that have never been married are feeling that same struggle, <laughs> you know, sort of like, I mean, that's like one of our sort of core values on hashtag single was like not about needing a partner to become whole, but, um, and maybe if that means never finding a partner, but just owning your, your life and your status, um, and being appreciative of it, of what you have, like that is okay. And kind of fighting for that, I think against society, like before I started the podcast, I would always get people finding out I was single and then um, offering me some kind of like, um, some kind of like condolence. (laughs) But you're pretty, you'll find someone or like, it's just a matter of time or something like that. And I was just like, what if it's not? What if, uh, what if this is my life? Would that be okay for me? And would that be okay for you? Does that make you uncomfortable? And why? You know, it's like, what is a woman if she is not partnered up? So... Um, I love that you're you're sending that message out into the to your clients and into the world as well. Can I ask you something, Jeanette? What would yeah. you, as a single person, like to hear from friends and family instead of the "You're so great, you're so wonderful"? Why are you single? Gosh, that's a great question. I, you know, what I really like sometimes, and I'm not I'm not sure I always trust it. Sometimes it feels disingenuous, but when, sometimes when I say like. So that based on my age, the, a lot of the assumption is, um, do you have kids? We're like, we jump the like, are you in a relationship? Are you married? They'll jump to, do you have kids? So I'll backtrack a little bit and say, no, I'm usually making a joke to make people feel comfortable. And I say, no, I don't have kids. I don't even have a man to take care of. It's just me and myself. Like, it's just like, like, I don't have to babysit anyone. It's just me and myself. Um, and, uh, the res- this response that I like is usually good for you. I get that sometimes from women. Um, I've never gotten it from a man, but I I have gotten it from women. And sometimes I feel like they say that because they 
Um, I can't tell if it's, like I said, if it's genuine or like, good for you, sweetie, like a little like bless your heart kind of situation. But I like to choose that they think it's a strong position to be in because it's, um, like I said, it's, it's sort of hard to acknowledge it. It's hard to own, I think, in today's culture. Like I'm single and that's okay. I'm happy. Like that's a, for some reason that is like a rare status to have. And so I think some women can see it and say like, yeah, cool. Good job. Be you, be happy. It's almost like there's this like hierarchy in society. And then the people who are on top are the people who are married with kids. And we almost have to dismantle that. You know, there isn't something inherently wrong with you if you aren't married and don't have kids. Um, and I think what's interesting about working with people who are post-divorce is that they start to regain themselves and connect with who they are. And they're like, yeah, I'm single. <laughs> and it's a beautiful thing, I think, to watch. I love that. I mean, I like, I'm totally on board with it. Like, I love when, I love meeting what I call all the time on this podcast, like strong, independent, badass women that are like crushing it in their jobs, know what they want, are passionate, and also still want to maybe find a partner. I think that's like... You're living the dream that all of our ancestral women wanted the future generations of women to have, just the power of choice. I think that, like, we shouldn't forget that that's, like, a huge gift. You know, sometimes, though, I wonder with these, like, powerful, amazing women um, who are single, they always come, Jamie, you can tell me if you agree or not, they always come to us and they say, like, I want a man who's confident. And I'm like, Really? Is that the most important thing that he's confident? Because what if, because it seems to me like you're already confident, you know, why do you need that added to your life? If anything, he's going to make your life better if he supports you in your role. Um, I just think it's fascinating. Yeah, but also like that being confident, I think is a value across the board. Like no one would say the opposite. Like, I want someone who's, who's, I don't know, unsure of themselves. Like, no, that would never be a positive value, like, for any situation. So it's almost like when you say, like, oh, I want someone's funny. You're like, we all want someone that's funny. Like, stop saying that. Like, it's assumed. You know what I mean? I'm looking for insecurity, baggage, and... <laughs> no sense of humor. <laughs> like, that on. would be great. And I'd be like, all right, let's work together. I can do it. Um, <laughs> I like a challenge. <laughs> you know, I actually just did a coaching call this morning about how to approach sharing your own baggage. Um, and that's a really interesting thing because I've had, you know, I have clients, we're all, everybody's a person and people have quote unquote baggage or whatever their issue is. And so it's about when to share it. Your tone, actually your tone of voice makes a, a difference. And then also how do you share it? So for example, this is just a hypothetical example. If you're somebody out there dating and you have an STD, let's say you have herpes, okay? And that's actually very common. One in, um, one in three sexually active adults has a, an STD or an STI, a sexually transmitted infection. And you want to share that with somebody that you want to tell them. So instead of just saying, right when you're about to have sex, I have herpes, and dealing with this awkward moment, right in the yeah. heat of the moment, preparing and saying, hey, before you even get in the bedroom, but not on date one, somewhere in the middle, right? Hey, I want you to know that um, I have herpes, 
and this is what I'm doing about it, and this is how I can protect you. So instead, it's being prepared, whatever the baggage is, whether it's an STI, whether it's, um, you know, in the past I've worked with somebody who one of their children was transitioning from a female to a male, right? And one of the best kind of technique to share that with somebody she was dating. It's really about sharing it and then this is how I'm dealing with it in my life. And this is how my relationship with my you know, son has evolved. And so it's being able to speak to it and then also the future movement of it. My personal thoughts around this is that we all have such traumatizing memories of like sex ed in school and cringing through the talk with your mom um, that it's almost easier to just avoid communicating but there's got to be a way to talk about a sex education and um whatever your intimacy problems are uh, in a relationship that doesn't make people uncomfortable do you know what i mean like instead of having to like sit down do i know <laughs> just like sit down and talk about it with a capital t like i even have anxiety thinking about that um i don't know do you, what, what would you recommend it, it brings up so much for us, I understand. And that's a part of why I started Sex Positive Mama. I actually just started it in July 2020, by the way. It's something new um, because I'm a mom and I have a two-year-old. And I intuitively said to myself, oh, my God, winter is coming. What am I going to do to survive? And I started to develop this idea that I can have talks with her because let's, let's you know, make this clear right now. It shouldn't be a talk. It's, it's not the it talk. It's continual. something that's, yes. it's continual. It's something that's ongoing. You don't all of a sudden send your child to Sunday school or get their bar mitzvah and you're like, great, you know everything, you know, it, it's something that is a values based type of education. And if I start communicating with my child about sex at a very young age, talking about what yes and no means, you know, everything surrounding consent, um, body awareness, understanding her feelings. These are tools and building blocks that can get her to a place um, where when she's an adult, she can have, you know, her sexuality be a normal, healthy, happy part of life and have the tools to communicate. I think it's fantastic that Jamie is able to coach her client on how to say, like, I have herpes and I want to date. Um, because, by the way, people who do have herpes and STIs should absolutely have the right to fall in love and all of these things. But they need communication tools to do that. And it starts at a young age. And what we need to do is dismantle all of the taboos surrounding these words and surrounding this subject and once you take away like the shame and all of the fear and it's just something else we talk about we don't have funny nicknames for our elbow and our knee or anything like that but when it comes to our genitals (laughs) my goodness we have so many euphemisms and jokes but it's just another part of our body I mean Barbies don't show that Barbies apparently don't have any genitals I don't know but but it's a part of who we are it's it's inherent. We're all sexual beings. So do you have ideas? Are you, have you, are you coming up with like games and fun things? Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, that's a podcast for another time. Well, tell me, what do you have for like a suggestion for adults that are maybe not great with communication or have fears of being rejected once they tell someone that they have herpes? Like, is there a 
less scary way to communicate this information like than sitting on the couch and saying I have to tell you something. Yeah. Okay. So are we talking about the herpes thing or anything in Let's general? Let's go with that. Let's go with that because that's been our example. Yeah. Um, I would like to recommend a resource. Actually, there's a girl on Instagram who redefines the narrative surrounding um, dating and STIs and relationships. And it's sex L education. So instead of education, it's ELD. I think she's really uh, fantastic at demystifying what what dating is like when you have an STI. Um, But when it comes to having uncomfortable conversations, some people rely on, you know, saying like, I heard about something in a podcast or I've been reading about this or whatever and bringing it up in a natural way. I don't know if Jamie has any more advice. I I was going to, that's perfect, Michal. It's also, we have to put some responsibility on individual people to bring up difficult conversations. Part of being an adult and being able to grow and move forward and have successful interactions and relationships is having difficult conversations that are awkward and that are uncomfortable. So I think people have to stop kind of hiding behind the excuse like, oh, this is too scary. Get over it and your life is going to be better on the other side once you face that fear. And Will there be some rejection because somebody's not comfortable dating somebody with an STI or whatever the situation is? Yes, but there's going to be rejection anyways, and there's also going to be acceptance and that real genuine acceptance that comes from being able to be vulnerable and be scared and do it anyways, have the conversation anyways, is the real win. Um, But sometimes I'll I'll even say to clients, you can say, hey, there's no easy way to bring this up, so I'm just going to say it. You can say that. You can actually say there's no easy way to bring this up. There's never going to be a perfect transition into talking about, you know, an STI or whatever the baggage is, whatever the situation is. Yeah. I I also really do like the idea of, like, maybe saying, like, using a third-party Thing, like a, a podcast or a movie and then using that as a way to bring up the topic like that's so interesting have you ever known anyone that has had an STI or um uh curious if you've um you know what are your thoughts around it or opinions around it? I think that's a good way to sort of lean on that if people are <laughs> like sort of scared for sitting down and just being like I gotta I gotta share some I think there's just so much like, look, dating is hard. You know, I wouldn't have a job if dating was easy. And there's so much like shame and fear and all of these things, you know, layered on and societal pressure. And the beauty of working with matchmakers and coaches is that it's someone who taps into who you are, helps you redefine yourself, helps you figure out your strengths, you know, take away some of the stress or shame that you have, you know, okay, you're a mother with three kids. Like, this is what's amazing about you that is not your weakness that's your strength you know um whatever it may be and and again I think that's the beauty of working with people like us because we we see behind the scenes what's happening and you know I ask people all the time like are you okay dating somebody who has kids are you okay with dating somebody who is divorced and divorce doesn't have that same taboo or stigma that it used to yeah totally I was gonna ask you actually (laughs) When you said like behind the scenes, this makes me I'm just curious as to your uh, insight or input as to how matchmaking has changed. I mean, aside from the obvious ways of like not being able to go on like real dates, but how matchmaking might have changed during 2020. Like have you guys seen any different trends or changes in general behavior or just in 
in interest in getting back out there to date? Um, I would say one of the biggest um, changes I've seen is the interest in the relationship mindset. Because being quarantined alone and you know not having your social calendar full of events has really isolated people. So people have really placed additional value on really being able to find a meaningful relationship. Yeah, I, I, I sense that too. Just to generate, like among conversations I've had with my friends, we all sort of were like felt the isolation a lot more and thought like, I think people just sort of, in, especially in New York City, but you guys know from being in a metropolitan city, like you just can get caught up in your life um, in the wheel of it, of going to work and a happy hour afterwards and going to soccer on the weekends and not really feel like you're missing um, uh, an intimate partner until this came crashing down and then people went, oh, wait a minute, I forgot that I, I this is something that I value and that I want. I know for me, I'm a very values and mission driven person, which is why I'm doing two jobs at the same time while being a mom. Um, yeah. And I really, really enjoy matchmaking right now and helping people through something that's an unprecedented lonely time you know a lot of people who are single living in apartments you know they don't get touched by anyone and we need touch to survive you know if you're familiar with the concept of skin hunger so I I feel I really do feel for people who are single and I want to Gosh, that sounds cheesy, <laughs> but I want to help. It them. does it because I was vibing so bad. I was like, "Yes," I was like, "I feel that too." <laughs> Look here, here's your options: like, get online, have a bomb ass profile, work with a dating coach, come to Three Day Rule. Um, you know, you could just sign up on our website, but there's people out there who want to help the singles as well, whether it's me or Jamie, um, or or you know, using your friends to help set you up. Um, yeah, absolutely. This is a great time to date. Believe it or not, people are are wanting the love. People are ready. They've people have done self work. People have been home and reflecting on their lives and their strengths and their weaknesses. And so, you know, we have to move forward with life. Um, and if you can find a partner to help you do that, you know, that's a win. So definitely, I recommend anybody single do not sit on the sidelines right now. Get out there and and you know try to date actively. If you're not comfortable meeting people in person for a social distance date, do it virtually. Do a Zoom date. Do a FaceTime date. But don't sit on the sidelines and miss out on this great time. Yeah, I I definitely feel energetically like um, two things happening at once. Kind of, there's been a, a, a hardcore reassessment, like you said very correctly, of like true values and there's been sort of a letting down of walls and a vulnerability that people have gotten to know very intimately in quarantine um i also feel like there was a weird kind of arc happening whereas like everyone was like well we can't meet in person anyway so why am i gonna bother um of sort of the uselessness of it that was happening but i i do feel like that's kind of going away and people are excited to meet safely, having gone through this really intense emotional ride of being alone for six months, you know? There's gonna be some beautiful love stories that come out of this time. I hope so, I think so. I mean, how great would it just, like it's just a good story where you're just like, <laughs> we met over the internet in quarantine, like the great 2020 that like 
that started everyone's lives off differently. Actually, actually just a brief story. Um, uh, this is not a client, but a friend, and I don't think she would mind me just sharing, obviously, anonymously, but she was dating someone. Her boyfriend was incarcerated, and they had never actually been able to date in the physical world. And then he was released because of um, the coronavirus, um, and they basically went from you know, more of a casual friendship to living together and they're happy today and it's been months. So Whoa. there's all That's kinds like a of stories. quarantine story. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it's a it very, you know, love is a, is a magical thing for sure. Well, I'm so excited to like join your pool because I would like nothing more than to have you guys match me up with an incredible human. Um, <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I hope... Uh, anyone listening is excited to do that too. Um, it sounds like you guys are wonderful coaches and I appreciate your, your time and your wisdom so much. Thank you for joining me here today. Thank you. Yeah. And we always put out like free advice and stuff like that. So you could follow any of our matchmakers. There's, there's tons of us at three day rule and we're all matched by, so like matched by Jamie, J A I M E and I'm matched by Michal, M I C H A L. So like stay in touch with all the matchmakers. The more, you know, the better. That's so true. Um, yeah. And I'll make sure to tag you guys. Um, if, if that's, uh, easier for other people, I'll make sure that I can just link that directly. Um, so you guys can get the most of all their beautiful advice. Jeanette, did you have a takeaway today? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I, I, I do feel like I got coached a little. Are um, you thinking about, you know, dating somebody who went to prison? Or <laughs> That wasn't, I wouldn't I, say that, but <laughs> what did you say, Jamie? I said that it was a great little story to throw in right at the end, you know. No, it is because it's so unusual. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love a good button love story anyway? I My takeaways, I think, are like, don't be afraid to get back out there, which I, I think um, is the vibe I'm feeling from people, my friends, people in the single community, myself, certainly. Um, but I love just like the whole energy around like stop making excuses for yourself if this is something you want. Because um, I think there was I was dragging my feet a little bit, too, where I was just like, I hate having Zoom dates like I don't no one's really interested. No one's serious right now. Um, but life passes you by if you don't put attention to it. So I'm, uh, I'm going to get better at, uh, being more active about it. I think the universe just heard you. So I just got chills. Please, Jesus. Perfect. <laughs> I'm ready for the universe to start paying attention already. My God. Um, well, thank you guys again so much. I hope we can, um, get some listeners connected to you guys and I hope there's some beautiful love stories that come out of it. Um, thanks again for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or two. We would love to hear from you. So, let us know what you think in the comments or over on Instagram at hashtag single pod where the single conversation is happening with lots of laughs and shared eye rolls. Um, we will connect to you or make sure you, you can find an easy way to get to three day rule. If uh, you want to work with these fabulous ladies in this wonderful company. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of your next two weeks. That is it for this episode. We have a brand new one coming up in two weeks. So until then, we will catch you next time.